money for time is is one that was wired within me. You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. I could talk about money mindset all day long. This is a relatively new thing that I've become totally fascinated with as I set bigger goals in business and then simultaneously struggle with setting these bigger goals in business. And so when my new friend, Sheila, reached out to me and asked um, if we could have this discussion on the podcast, I jumped at the opportunity. So I recently met Sheila through a group mastermind that myself and a few other ladies have just put together. Uh, we, we joke that we're in like the awkward teenage years of business. Like we're not just starting out, but we're not adults. <laughs> we're somewhere in the middle. We're teenagers. And this group has been so impactful for myself and my business. It's so incredibly wonderful to have people who are at a similar stage in business as me and dealing with some of the same things that I'm dealing with. And a lot of that revolves around money. And I'm, I'm so thankful to have these women in my life where I can have really candid conversations about the goals that I have and why I'm having a hard time hitting those goals. And Sheila is the perfect person to guide this discussion. So I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. I hope you enjoy it. You know what I love? Coming home after a long day of work and sweating away in a hot kitchen for over an hour just to get a meal on the table my family all complains about. Oh wait, no. No, I actually don't love that at all. I love the idea of a family meal together and it's something that is incredibly important to me, especially as my kids get older, but man, dinner time is one of the most stressful times of my day. Or at least, it used to be. Lately, I have been relying on chilled freezer meals, especially during busy weeks when I simply don't have the capacity to cook dinner or remember to eat lunch myself. Chilled makes mealtime simple, with frozen meals for local pickup and home delivery to communities throughout eastern and central Iowa, and they ship meal bundles nationwide. They have convenient options for conventional meals, as well as choices for those following a gluten-free or keto lifestyle. Chilled meals are budget-friendly with options in sizes from single-serve to portions for large families. We are huge fans of the cracked chicken sliders and mini lasagnas, and I always throw in a couple orders of breakfast burritos when I order my weekly dinners. They are so slick for days I forget to eat breakfast or lunch, which sometimes is all the time. You can get 10% off your first order at chilledfreezermeals.com with the code MADDIE, M-A-D-D-I-E. That's chilledfreezermeals.com and the code MADDIE to get 10% off your first order. Sheila, thank you so much for joining me today on Take It Personally. I'm so excited to be here, Maddie. I am thrilled to talk to you and to really dive into talking about money today. But before we get started, could you tell everyone who you are and what you do? I am Sheila Hansen, and I'm a CPA based out of Nebraska. And I help female-based business owners become confident financial decision makers. So we dive into what's going on in their heads with money. And we make the conversations not so scary, but then we also 
have systems and processes in place to track the data so that when we do make financial decisions, it's both with data and information and our intuition and gut. Oh, I love that. This is what I feel like is missing from a lot of the like CPA world. Like, yes, we need someone who can, who can look at our numbers and manage our numbers and all of those things. But we also like, I find myself being at a point in business, although (laughs) I probably could have used this all along where I really need like the insight and the guidance and someone to sit down with and be like, how does this look? What should my goals be? Like, what does that all look like? And that's really what you help people with. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much, so much more to it than just the numbers and budgets that come into to financials and, and decision-making for your businesses. Um, and I think a lot of times CPAs are that data analytical mm-hmm. type mind. I am an Enneagram four. So I have space and can hold emotions for others and talk about the feelings and the sit in that hard, yucky stuff. And it doesn't bother me. Um, I really enjoy that. So that is where I love these conversations with clients because it is oftentimes so, so uncomfortable for them. That is fascinating and so not a skill set of mine. <laughs> I, are, are you a three? I'm a three. <laughs> I actually have quite a few clients that are threes. I so I think that is a very common entrepreneur uh, Enneagram number. And yes, I am constantly reminding them, hey, sit with that feeling for just a little bit, just a little bit, let it linger and dive into how that truly feels before you jump onto something else. And I can just see them squirming in there. (laughs) And you're like, oh, yay. (laughs) You know, I, I think that that, for me, that was a part of business ownership and entrepreneurship that no one talked about. No one warned me about with like, get ready to constantly feel triggered and to constantly like, feel like you're, you know, standing naked in the middle of a room with everything exposed, like, because it just kind of brings everything to the surface. And when you're talking about money and money goals, it is unfortunately so like tied to how we feel worthy and how we feel, um, if we feel capable and that can bring up a lot of really interesting emotion. Yeah. This whole kind of area for me happened or started I get. It, I got curious about it. Um, once we, a couple of years ago, we used a parenting coach and in our work with her, she talked about how much of everything when it comes to that is just wired from our childhood. And as much as we say, like, I don't want to be the same as my parents, or I would do this differently. Or, you know, everybody says that, well, my kid would never do that. If I, you know, <laughs> if I had kids before we have kids, And then we find ourselves. So all of that is wired. And she just really made it clear to me that in stress, in, um, in those situations, you will default back to what was safe and comfortable for you from a childhood standpoint, whether you want to consciously or not. And I think that carries over into money as well. Those conversations, what we hear about it from outside external culture, as well as what was talked about or not talked about in our own households growing up, what we saw with our parents, whether it was something they openly talked about, or whether it was 
one was our a spender and one was a saver, and that was constantly causing um, struggles between the two, or whether you saw parents that had, you know, heavy loads of debt or that freedom or the splurge and the, the spending, all of that carries into the decisions that we're making today, whether we want to or not. And so we can often see upper limits coming into place from that money mindset with clients because maybe they make a lot, maybe they sign a big contract, but then they spend it all because that's just what feels safe to them. They're used to not having anything in the bank and anything, a safety net of any sort feels uncomfortable. And so they just spend it right away. I I follow a lot of money experts on Instagram because I've just become fascinated with like building wealth and what that looks like and anything money related, I think is so interesting. And I saw a crazy statistic that I'm going to butcher, but essentially it was like every belief that you will ever have about money is like solidified by the time you're five or six years old. And that blew my mind. That's that is crazy, but yeah, so, so true. I mean, and it, and it's the little things just like, you know, that, that scarcity mindset of, well, we have to save that, or we can't have, there's not enough. And yeah, it, it just, it carries over time. It It's the little things that you don't even think about. Totally. So some of the more, um, oh, I guess taboo areas of money. How do you handle those with clients? Like I think of, you know, I've had a really hard time in the past navigating the issue of debt. How do you navigate that topic with a client who's maybe having a really hard time with a concept like that, like taking on debt for their business, even if it actually is a good financial decision? How do you work on stuff like that? Yeah, so I think that comes down to just understanding that story that's going on in your head around debt. Who told you that it was maybe bad to have debt? What are you doing with that debt? And why are you inquiring it or, you know, attaining it? I think we just start opening that box of the conversation around that story. So then we can start to rewire it. And then just having a a plan, right? Understanding that core financial base for everything so that we know here's our plan. So yeah, when we have a story like that with debt and why in our our wiring, we maybe were taught that it was bad. And so we have to really dig into why is that bad? Who is telling us that's bad? For me, is it bad? And having a plan. So when we have a plan in place, things and we know what's coming or know what's expected, it goes so much easier. So our kiddo right now is two and a half. He's potty training. He's learning how to stay in his bed. And I am having that. He gets out, walk him back. He gets out, we walk him back. And without a plan of knowing that that work that I am doing, that constant, maybe it's a two hour session of coming out, going back, but that plan allows me to give myself patience and understanding that this is a long-term game, right? I'm spending two hours today rewiring and building this foundation for my kiddo, but then it's going to pay off for years to come because he's going to be a good sleeper and be able to do it on himself. So that comes back into those conversations. When we dig in and rewire, why is this happening? Build new foundations. 
that's going to pay off in the long run. So we have to think about all of those stories when it comes to, yeah, we are taking on this debt, but that's also an investment. What's our potential return? Like, are we using that to invest in training or a course that then we're going to be able to sell a new package to our clients and we're going to earn that back 10 times? That's not a bad thing, right? right? We have to. We have to constantly invest in ourselves in that way. But if we're also just spending the debt to spend the debt, then, and we don't have a plan, that's where it then becomes trouble for us. Yeah. I uh, always had like a guilt associated with spending money, especially on things like personal and professional development in my own business. And it wasn't until I had this kind of awakening of like, Well, when I worked full-time for someone else and I worked at really good companies, they spent money on professional development. They were investing in you as an employee. Absolutely, they were. Absolutely, they were. And so that was like a major light bulb moment. And I still, as, as my business has grown, those investments have grown and that can be uncomfortable. But that's what I come back to is like, this is what good companies do. And I can be a good company, you know? Mm hmm Yep. Yeah, that, that is very common um, to just not spend. The other one that I could see a lot of times mindset-wise that that small business owners especially uh, or the newer entrepreneur falls into is around taxes. I don't want to pay taxes. Mm. Paying taxes is not a bad thing. That means you're profitable. Your business is making money. Or that sabotage in, well... I don't want to pay a lot in taxes. So I'm going to spend all of this in my expenses. Well, taxes is like a discount coupon, right? If you spend a dollar, you might then save 20 cents or 50 cents, but you had to spend your dollar. And so let's reframe that and say, am I making financial decisions from a tax perspective and only tax, or am I making decisions with the whole piece included or the whole pie included? And that means those long-term investments. How is this going to, this development going to pay off for me or my staff? How is this tool going to be used? And let's not just make things from a only tax mindset because I don't want to pay taxes. That is so interesting. I hadn't thought of that as a mindset issue, but it totally is. It totally is. Yeah. And And that's one, and that's when I feel like external culture, right? Paying taxes is a bad thing. You, all business, you know, all good businesses don't pay taxes. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. So yeah, that that's definitely a mindset. And I can see how a lot of times that's an, a limiting belief on, well, let's leave some profit in the business. Let's leave some cash there. Even though that does mean sending a pretty hefty check to the IRS. Now that's completely different than taking advantage of all of the things available to us in things we're already spending or things that align with all of those other areas of the business. From a financial perspective, we want to take advantage of all of those that we can. But if we are making financial decisions strictly from a tax place, that's probably not a long-term good strategy for your sustainability of your business. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, I I work with a lot of new photographers and Mm -hmm something that I hear a lot is that like, they're constantly trying to avoid payment processor fees. 
they don't want to pay the PayPal fees. They don't want to pay the Venmo fees. Oh, I have people send me friends, you know, friends and family through PayPal because it's avoiding a fee or I don't want to use Stripe because there's fees. And I would imagine that that's kind of in the same vein as what you're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, it goes back into the mindset of if I am a legit business owner, that is part of business. That is a service or a process that I am taking advantage of. If we're not paying those fees, maybe that means we're taking cash or check. Well, now we have to have a system for tracking that cash and that check payment or getting it to the bank. I know I have one client that was still paying me. It was on their auto bill pay. And I don't know why I didn't get it switched to just do the auto draw like everybody else, but it was a check and it would take me weeks to get it to the bank every single month. So I now have a system that if I calculate it out, whatever that 3% fee is, I am spending way more time than that getting that payment to my bank account. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. I want to scream that from the rooftops. Like I always have people who tell me like, oh, I spend, you know, whatever this big number is on credit card fees every year. And I'm like, why are you even looking at that number? Like (laughs) that is not something to fixate on. Your clients are probably thrilled that they can pay you as quickly and easily as they can. I guarantee you, you're getting paid faster. Stop fixating on that number. And that comes into when we, when we understand the financials and the decisions that we're making from a profitability standpoint. Okay. So that conversation is what are we charging and how did we come up with that number? And Have we factored in that 3% of that is going to go to processing fees? Oh, yeah. And then if we know that, we're either adding on to our price just to factor that in or, yeah, what are we saving from our time and energy standpoint? Is that worth 3%? Um, And then just building that system and process so that everything is more streamlined, right? If we offer 10 different payment options, how much time are we spending tracking all of those different payment options versus here's how I bill, here's how you pay me and moving them through the workflow or the system. Yeah. You bring up a really good point that it oftentimes is shining a light on the fact that like, maybe you're not charging enough. Maybe you're not Mm -hmm. considering that that's an expense that you have. And I think that's, that's a really good thing to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. Knowing that, knowing that profitability and the margin on your services and your offers um, is, is huge. And even if you offer different packages or services within your business, knowing each one separately to know, is my time and energy being spent in the right areas? Because we, we want to do all of the things for all of the people. And that typically is not a good business model. We have to be one thing for a specific person. Absolutely. So I want to pivot a little bit because you had mentioned something earlier that I kind of breezed past, but I want to come back to it. You talked about upper limits, and I know that this is something you discuss a lot, this like upper limiting. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So there's a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, I believe is his last name. And he dives into the upper limits that we put on ourselves. And so often that can be like a scarcity mindset. Um, It comes into that. Am I worth it? just when we start to get uncomfortable, we break out, we break into that, again, that stress cycle of what, what is safe and not safe from like, you know, a padded room safe 
safe from just what we know and is comfortable to us, even if it's a bad thing, it can, it can still feel safe to us. So whenever we bump into those upper limits, it often requires some sort of mindset work to move through that. So one that I see very, very often is, especially if somebody is starting to offer something new um, or adjusting their pricing, is that scarcity comes in. No, but there's not going to be enough of these. Mm. Or because I sold it once, that doesn't mean that I can sell it again. Or because I had this really good year, that was just a one-time thing. It's not going to continue to happen. That's an upper limit that we're putting on ourselves. We are saying that we can't get past that and that we're not in that abundance mindset that there is more, there's always enough. There is a pipeline that's coming to replace you know, what we had. And I think it comes from also the scarcity is that, or um, from the, that that rug could be pulled out at any moment. You know, I have this safety net, but this something is, is going to fall apart. And that is in that mindset and that wiring. That's such a hard thing. And I, I think it is similar to a lot of things in business. I feel like it's kind of is, I don't know if cyclical is the right word, but it's like a, you, you kind of have like an up level and you're in a new, uh, a new, uh, what do I want to call it? Yeah. You con you're constantly moving the bar. You're yes, constantly, exactly. you get there and then, okay, we get past that upper limit. We get comfortable. And then we start pushing that bar higher. And then now we've hit a new limit totally. that, we're, that we're going through that whole cycle again. <laughs> I thought we had worked through these. Yes, I thought I figured this out. I've had that 12 times just last year. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was a book that I had read that talked about this, that there can often be a very specific dollar amount that can cause an upper limit. Oh, like, that's what it was for me. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Like mm-hmm. I can make a hundred thousand feels good. 200,000 feels all right. But then when I get to 250, oh my, like I can't handle that number. Like I'm not worth that or that all of those feelings come up at the 250 number, not the 200, but yeah, that, 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 that can be a real thing. Or it can come down to, you know, if you break it down to months, you know, if you're at a starting out at a 5k month and then get to 10k, there can be upper limits and, and scarcity or mindset issues that come with that. Yeah, it was definitely, it felt like new territory to me. It still kind of feels like new territory because I hadn't really experienced that. And I had been setting what I felt like were really ambitious goals, but there was also an element that felt easy. And then it was like, as soon as I set this new goal, everything went to hell. And it was like, oh, okay. I have some stuff to work through here. And I have totally had, um, mine is related to like a monthly income and I'll hit the monthly income that I set the goal for, but it's everything you just said, like, okay, I did it once, but like, I can't do it again. Or it was, it was too hard. So I can't keep that going instead of getting really curious and being like, why is this triggering that in me? And what would it look like if I hit that? But it was easy. What needs to happen? I'm just like, Mm -hmm. no, that was terrifying. We're not doing that again. Yeah. So one for me that I really had to dive into is time equals money. And that came from my parents worked. My mom worked two jobs. My dad had a job that he worked multiple, you know, 
weekends or longer than just the 40 hour work week. And so it was, they were getting a paycheck for the time that they were spent at, they're spending at the employer. And then when I started in public accounting, everything was based on the billable hour. My bonuses were based on the time I spent working on client projects. Well, what the heck, what about if I am more efficient at the project that I'm working on than the person next to me? Why does he get a bigger bonus than I do? Because I got it done faster and now I can leave. Like, (laughs) so I had to, when I started my own business, really work at that in that the, the way to be successful in my business doesn't necessarily mean longer, more hours. It means being strategic and offering value and that I am capable of being efficient and providing value in a shorter amount of time. And I can build a business that's really successful working a few days a week. And that's one that constantly I'm having to revisit and, and remind myself of, but that money for time is, is one that was wired within me. The interesting thing about that, because I, I so relate and like when I quit my job, my whole shtick was like, I want to make a full-time income on part-time hours. Like I want to have more white space in my life, but still make what I would consider a full-time income. That's, that was my goal. Mm-hmm. And yet there are still things that I'm working through where like when I, like today, I didn't really sit down to start working until probably close to 11. Cause I was thinking around the house and taking the dog for a walk and like made a nice breakfast. And that is exactly what I wanted. That is what I have worked for. And yet there's always this voice that's like, you're not working hard enough. You're doing something wrong. You're lazy. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And we, we discount how much rest actually boosts productivity and creativity. You know, we think, oh, I need to sit here and get this done. But if we were to step away for 10 minutes and then come back, we probably get it done in half the time by taking that 10 minute break or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's wild. It is, it is really interesting. Like, but even before we got on this call, I was like, oh yeah, I, I know, I know where my money mindset issues lie like I'm aware of them, but even just have like listening to you kind of list off the mindset issues that you've struggled with or that your clients have struggled with. Like, oh gosh, I didn't really think of that as like a money issue. And it right. totally, it, like I could see how it would like infiltrate how you feel about money and making money and wealth and all of those things. And then if you just think about like knowledge is power, but when it's a conversation that we're trying to avoid because it brings up all of those triggers, then we just keep getting further and further from the conversation because it's going to be scary or we think it's going to be scary or triggering. So that's where addressing that uh, with my clients, I really push just getting curious, just get curious about the money part of it and give yourself grace and permission to be a beginner, right? Because if we never have the conversation we for sure are never going to understand this. Um, And then there was another one I heard recently that really clicked is, do we actually use it as an excuse to hold ourselves accountable? Right? Like when we say, well, I'm just not good at money, or I just don't understand it, or I just, it, it stresses me out. Is that our excuse for our, our habits and our behaviors? Oh, that's, (sighs) right? Like, are we, 
are we trying to just give ourselves a pass on um, not not digging into it or not yeah. not learning because yeah we we don't really want to <laughs> oh gosh I mean I think that is incredibly true because when you really dig into it money and understanding your numbers and your goals and all of those things like it's powerful oh it yeah is extremely empowering and if we're not doing those things we're we're kind of in the dark so I there's this quote and I think we'll probably get into this topic or but yeah this topic next but um, a quote that I love is nothing bad happens when women make more money. And right. That, that is incredibly true. And the, the talking about it, the having these conversations and when, when you have the thought of like, well, I'm just, I'm not going to say anything because it's rude to talk about money, or I'm not going to ask questions because I don't want to know the answer that just perpetuates this problem of women, not talking about money and not being in a position of power. Right. How do you, how do you get better at it if we never talk about it? And then, um, yeah, all of the, there are so many statistics about what women do with their wealth, um, compared to men and that, yeah, that power that also, you know, the, maybe it's the systematic ways that, that push us down. Um, and we could, you know, that would be a whole nother topic, but the, that power piece um, and and where we can really make change. I think another uh, mindset area that comes in, especially for women is, is with that power or with that. Um, maybe we saw somebody who was greedy or we think of, you know, the, the business that did things the wrong way or took advantage of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the people along the way. But while yes, there are those people or those businesses out there, it probably wasn't their money that made them that way, right? They were already that way, or they would have been that way, regardless of whether they had money or not. So we we make that connection that, well, they're that way because they're wealthy. And no, I know my core beings and whether I have money or not doesn't change how, I, how I'm going to treat others. It, if anything, by having wealth, I'm able to make a bigger impact in the ways that I want to. And it's, it's not going to change me into somebody that's now greedy and yeah. treats, treats people, um, you know, or, or acts like a jerk. Yeah, totally. Have you read uh, Rich AF by Amanda Francis? I have not read that one. Okay. You would love it. Okay. <laughs> I've been, I'm, I'm building, yeah, I'm building my list of resources and books around this whole idea and topic. Yes. There's yeah. one I read recently that is, it's not your money. Um, and it's like living from a place in abundance. Um, and it is very woo woo, but it does refer to the source and the source could be God. The source could be universe. It it opens the conversation in the book and it discusses like, what is that for you? Mm -hmm. And then that one really digs into being open to receiving, right? So as women, we give, 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 give. And I think, um, go the go-giver may also kind of touch on this same topic that we give, 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 but then we like have the door closed to things actually like the universe actually sending it back to us and being open to receive. And so that book, it walks you through a series of exercises and it's like cleaning out clutter. And then when you get rid of the, the excess that you're not using, then you are provided 
new opportunities mm-hmm. to receive and new things to to do that that are going to be useful for you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. The- so that one, that one was another one. I like did a few of the things and then I'd have like a, you know, client inquiry in my inbox the next morning. And I'm like, what? Okay. So Rich <laughs> AF is very similar okay. and it's quite woo. And I went through a lot of like the practices that it tells you to, and had a very similar experience and it was great. Um, it was really, really cool. And one of the things that she talks about is exactly what you were saying about how, like, you may have encountered someone who has a lot of money and is a douchebag, but that does not mean that all people who have money, like that person was going to be terrible, regardless of if they had money or not. And I was like, wow, that is a really interesting thought because money just makes you more of whatever you are, right? Right. Like whether that's good or bad. And so if you're a good person and you give back and you're thoughtful, like money's just going to amplify that. Right. Or yeah, if we're, if we're living in a place of less stress because we have, you know, financial stability and freedom, then that opens the doors for how much more we can do in life. Right. Like if you're just running around trying to make it in an overwhelm all the time, you're not making an impact in areas. But if we have that financial freedom and security, then we're actually able to make an impact or give back and do all of those things. Totally. So we'll link all these books in the show notes. And then Sheila, I would love for you to let us know. I don't always ask this, but I feel like people are really going to want to know at the end of this episode, how can people work with you? Like how, how can you help them? How can they get in touch with you? What can you do for their businesses? Yeah. So I have a couple different service offerings. One is just a consulting call. So that could be a consulting call from truly the financial perspective for your business, or it could be this money mindset conversation, right? Like what is, what is going on um, with my mindset and how is that impacting my decision? So that can just be a one-time way that we work together. I also have a intensive day. And so this is a intense day and my Enneagram threes at the end of it are like ready to go nap for five days. (laughs) (laughs) So we spend the day together going through just kind of the overall, what you want from the business, the goals, where you're at. And then we dig into that money mindset, what's coming up, what stories. So then when we dig into specific situations or strategic planning in the afternoon, we can relate that back to where, um, how it aligns with your goals for one, and then where you might run into those limits or what work you might have to do. And you walk away from that day having a strategic plan and an action plan of specific steps that you can take. So that again is a one time we can work together. And then I have the monthly retainer where I am truly your CPA, financial advisor. And I come in from a Um, We're doing bookkeeping, payroll if needed. Um, It can have tax compliance and income tax prep along with it, potentially on your location. But then we're having those financial conversations. And so that is truly the holding you accountable, helping you work through your goals. Every month we're having, you know, conversations and we're providing, we're taking care of that phase one of tracking the data. So then when we have the conversations, we can visually show you, here's where you're at, here's what's happening, here's the key numbers that we said were important, and are we on track or are we not on track? And so it's a way for that business owner that 
maybe avoids that area altogether because they they don't want to address the feelings. We take a lot of that on. So then when they're they're getting the information and the value in just a visual form on a monthly basis. So they can make informed decision making without maybe having to address getting that in their daily schedule. Awesome. That's great. Okay. One more question before we kind of tell the people where they can find you. If someone is new to money mindset and this conversation has really made them go, oh yeah, this is something that I need to work on. What's one thing that they can do today or this week to move in the right direction? I think the biggest thing is that curiosity. When you are making a decision and it's probably you're making a daily decision that this is coming up. When your initial thoughts happen, just like tag them, right? Where did that come from? Or why, why am I thinking that? And that just opens that curiosity box. So then we can start digging into it and whether it's journaling or whether it's addressing it with your therapist later on. Um, I am a firm believer now that all business owners need to be going to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, it's true. <laughs> I mean, not, not just business anybody really needs therapy, but, um, especially as a business owner, but yeah. So I think it's just that, that curiosity of when something comes up and you have that thought, just stopping to say, why is that the thought? Mm-hmm. Why is that the answer? And just allowing yourself for even a brief moment to think it could potentially be something else, right? Yeah. I'm like one that you could think of, I'm never going to work with that type of business. Well, why is that? Like, what about it? What, what makes me think that I can't? Or what about it makes me think I wouldn't want to? Mm-hmm. And just opening that curiosity about it. I love that. I think that that is such an incredible tool, curiosity in every part of life, right? Like instead of placing that judgment or judging yourself really for the feelings that you're having, the emotions, the thoughts, instead of judging yourself for it, getting curious about it and trying to kind of figure it out. I think that that's really a really profound thing that we should do more of. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sheila. Can you tell everyone where they can find you online? Yeah, I am mostly on Instagram and LinkedIn, Sheila.Hanson.CPA on Instagram, and then just Sheila Hanson um, on LinkedIn. Um, And then my website is HansonLLC.net. Awesome. And we will link all of those things in the show notes, as well as our reading list (laughs) of books that we talked about. Yeah. And I think with that, it's just starting to work that into your daily yeah, daily habit, right? I'm going to read a book. I'm just going to open it, knowing that I'm not going to know everything, giving myself a place to start and that I can learn from here. Um, I also, if you like money mantras or mantras, um, a good, a good phrase that you can use is I'm not good with money yet. And adding mm-hmm. that yet opens up the door to a possibility that it could be different. I love that. Sheila, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to Take It Personally. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that some of the best conversations actually happen after the show. Head over to Facebook and search Take It Personally podcast to join our private Facebook group and join the conversation. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? This is the best way to let other people know about the show and help us to keep creating content you love. You can also head to takeitpersonallypodcast.com for all the show notes from today's episode and past episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.